Let me ask you a question. Who knows what a dad joke is? Who's ever heard of a dad joke? Yeah, you know, they're really bad that they're funny or they're just really bad. Um, and so let me give you some examples because it's Father's Day. So here's one. Why do uh, melons have weddings? Because they can't elope. Ah, see, that's a dad's joke. Here's another one. What's Forrest Gump's password? One Forrest, one. Uh, let's see. Oh, why did the coach ask for change? Because he wanted his quarterback. Did you hear about the guy who got uh, hurt at the upholstery factory? He's fully recovered. Uh, what do you call someone with no body and no nose? Nobody knows. Yeah. See, these are so bad. Here's the best part. I see some of you are like writing them down. I'm going to tell these today at lunch. You'll forget that they're sitting next to you and heard them. That's what makes it a dad joke. No, uh, dads are known for a lot of things and their jokes are one of them. But really the most important thing that dads do is the role that they play in our lives or are supposed to play. Sadly, a lot of dads are missing in action and aren't uh, filling that role that they're meant to fill. And let me just start this entire series, but I just wanted to be very clear to me the call of fatherhood is the ultimate reward. It's not success. It's not money. It's not uh, worldly success. Being a father is the ultimate reward. I've been a dad for almost 29 years. And outside of being married to my wife, it is the greatest joy I've had. It is, it is something that uh, I've just loved being a father. I can think back and, and see the mistakes I made and the places I failed, the ways I wish I had been a better dad. But I've enjoyed being a father. It brings great joy and fulfillment to my life. And it's meant to bring a great joy and fulfillment to all our lives. And yet, so many times, fathers are missing. Fathers are missing in people's lives. And, uh, and, and because of that, there is a hole that's left in our hearts. A father-shaped hole that's left in people's hearts. And it's not meant to be there. But if you haven't had a father or a father figure in your life, biological father or otherwise, a spiritual father, a mentor, someone who has filled that role, you will feel a deep, deep hurt, and a, a, a pain, an anguish. And sometimes it's easy to say, well, there's something wrong with me. I shouldn't feel like that. Yes, you should, because God designed you to have that hole filled. And when your father, biological or otherwise, doesn't step in and fill that role, that pain is real. And so one thing that I've learned, and I think um, you know, it's true in our world and society, is this. Many fathers are missing, and many are missing fathers. Fathers are important. It's hugely important. So let me just say on the front end, if you're a single mom here and you are trying as best as you can to fill that hole that is left, I applaud you because it is hard. And here's the thing. It's a hole that you're not meant to fill. And, and you're trying your best. And God will give you grace and, and help because he's, he cares about those that are fatherless, but it is an, uh, an uh, reality in our culture. It's kind of an epidemic, you might say, of just fatherlessness, and it's gotten worse and worse over the years. So I want to play a video clip uh, by Larry Elder. It's a few years old, but it kind of shines a light on what's happening in our world and culture today. It was President Barack Obama who said, 
We all know these statistics, that children who grow up without a father are five times more likely to live in poverty and commit crime, nine times more likely to drop out of school, and 20 times more likely to end up in prison. The Journal of Research on Adolescence confirms that even after controlling for varying levels of household income, kids in father-absent homes are more likely to end up in jail. And kids who never had a father in the house are the most likely to wind up behind bars. In 1960, 5% of America's children entered the world without a mother and father married to each other. By 1980, it was 18%. By 2000, it had risen to 33%, and 15 years later, the number reached 41%. For blacks, even during slavery, when marriage for slaves was illegal, black children were more likely than today to be raised by both their mother and father. Economist Walter Williams has written that, according to census data from 1890 to 1940, a black child was more likely to grow up with married parents than a white child. For blacks, out-of-wedlock births have gone from 25% in 1965 to 73% in 2015. For whites, from less than 5% to over 25%. And for Hispanics, out-of-wedlock births have risen to 53%. What happened to fathers? The answer is found in a basic law of economics. If you subsidize undesirable behavior, you will get more undesirable behavior. In 1949, the nation's poverty rate was 34%. By 1965, it was cut in half to 17%, all before President Lyndon Johnson's so-called War on Poverty. But after that war began in 1965, poverty began to flatline. From 1965 until now, the government has spent over $20 trillion to fight poverty. The poverty rate has remained unchanged but the relationship between poor men and women has changed dramatically. That's because our generous welfare system allows women, in effect, to marry the government. And this makes it all too easy for men to abandon their traditional moral and financial responsibilities. Psychologists call such dependency learned helplessness. How do we know that the welfare state creates disincentives that hurt the very people we're trying to help? They tell us. In 1985, the Los Angeles Times asked both the poor and the non-poor whether poor women often have children to get additional benefits. Most of the non-poor respondents said no. However, 64% of poor respondents said yes. Now, who do you think is in a better position to know? Tupac Shakur, the late rapper, once said, I know for a fact that had I had a father, I'd have some discipline, I'd have more confidence. He admitted he began running with gangs because he wanted the things a father gives to a child, especially to a boy, structure and protection. Your mother cannot calm you down the way a man can, Shakur said. You need a man to teach you how to be a man. In my book, Dear Father, Dear Son, I write about my rough, tough World War II Marine Staff Sergeant Dad. Born in the Jim Crow South of Athens, Georgia, he was 14 at the start of the Great Depression. Growing up, I watched my father work two full-time jobs as a janitor. He also cooked for a rich family on the weekends and somehow managed to go to night school to get his GED. When I was 10, 
my father opened a small restaurant that he ran until he retired in his mid-80s. He was never angry or bitter and insisted that today's America was very different from the world of racial segregation and limited opportunity in which he grew up. Hard work wins, he told me and my brothers. You get out of life what you put into it. You can't control the outcome, but you are 100% in control of the effort. And before blaming other people, go to the nearest mirror and ask yourself, what could I have done to change the outcome? This advice shaped my life. Fathers matter. Until we have a government policy that makes that its first priority, nothing will change. Fathers are hugely important, not just economically, they're, they're important spiritually. They help shape and guide children in their understanding of who God is. Uh, Paul Vitz is a professor and senior scholar at the Institute of Psychology, and he is Professor uh, Emeritus of Psychology at NYU. He is a scholar's scholar, and he wrote a book called The Faith of the Fatherless. And he was trying to discover, in his research, he was trying to discover what is there uh, that connects, is there a correlation between uh, those who embrace atheism and how they were raised? Because most people, and this is what he writes in the opening, he says, most people assume that people embrace atheism from a rational mind point, uh, mindset, that they think through things and they rationally determine that there is no justification for believing there's a God. But what he found was markedly different. He found that the average atheist rejects the idea of God, especially God as a father, because of their own disappointment and resentment of their earthly father. And then he does study after study of, of historical and well-known atheists, Voltaire, Nitschke, um, uh, Paul Camus, uh, uh, Christian, uh, Christopher Hitchens, Richard Dawkins, Sigmund Freud, on and on it goes. And, and so it's amazing to me the influence that men have, that fathers have on the spiritual dynamics of their kids. Uh, you could look at the life of Karl Marx. If you know Karl Marx, he is kind of known as the father of communism. But he grew up in the 1800s. He grew up in a Jewish home. And uh, when he was about 10 years old, the family moved. They were, he was raised in Germany. They moved from one town to the other. When they got to the new town, he found that uh, his father found that uh, the Jewish community wasn't the economic engine of that city. It was the Christians. So he came home one day and announced suddenly out of the blue, we are no longer Christians. We are now uh, we don't know, no longer Jews. We are now Christians. The family was shocked. They said, we've been Jews for generations generations we've been practicing Jews. He said, it doesn't make economic sense. Is it any wonder that years later he wrote the Communist Manifesto and in it he said that religion is the opiate of the masses. And so he postulated an economic system devoid of religion because he found religion didn't have any real bearing in people's lives because it didn't have any bearing in his father's life. So fathers are hugely important. And as I said earlier, if you don't have a good father, if your father's not around, if your father's not engaged in your life, you have this father-shaped hole. And God cares about that. It's a theme throughout the scripture that God's heart is for the fatherless. And his heart breaks that your heart breaks for not having a father. So I just want to look at some verses that reiterate this throughout the scriptures. Deuteronomy 10, it says, He, God, gives justice 
to the fatherless. In Psalms, it says this, you are a helper of the fatherless. You encourage them. You listen to their cry, defending the fatherless and the oppressed. In Psalm 68, it says this, his name is the Lord. He is a father to the fatherless. And then Jesus, who came and lived a, a perfect life, never sinned, never did anything wrong. He knows he's about to be crucified, sacrificed his life for all people. He knows this is about to happen. He knows three days later he's going to be resurrected, but he knows the horror of the cross. And he knows then after his resurrection, he's going to go back to the right hand of God. And he tells his followers this, I will not leave you fatherless. God's heart are for those who are missing a father, who have that father-shaped hole in their heart. And then so Jesus is crucified. He's resurrected. He, he stays with his followers here on earth for 40 days, teaching them, instructing them, giving them the, the last bit of information that he wants to impart. And then he ascends to the right hand of God, the Father in heaven. But he says, I'm going to send the Holy Spirit. And 10 days later, the Holy Spirit comes and the church is birthed. And Jesus said, now you are my body here on Christ, the local church. The church is called the body of Christ. And he says, I want you to do the things that matter to me. And if my heart is for the fatherless, I want your heart to be for the fatherless. So this community of faith, this local church, this one and everyone is meant to embrace that same call to be a father to the fatherless. And so James, Jesus' brother, is writing and he picks up on this theme. And this is what James writes. He says, pure religion and undefiled belief before God the Father is this, to visit the fatherless and the widows in their affliction, to care for those who have this father-shaped hole in their heart. See, being fatherless isn't just being about, uh, isn't just about being an orphan. It doesn't just mean that your father has died. Because what a father brings is more than just being alive. A father brings more than just provision. Those things are important. But listen, you can be fatherless and have a dad who's alive, but is distant, is disconnected, who's abandoned you, who isn't in your life, who you've never met. Or you can have a father who's present, who's there, but he acts cowardly and weak and doesn't live a life that's worthy of honor and respect, and you're fatherless. You can have a father who's present but is abusive physically or sexually, psychologically, uh, verbally, and you're fatherless. Your dad is there, but you might as well be fatherless. He doesn't encourage. He doesn't love. He doesn't support. See, a father does so much more than simply provide. A father helps carry burdens. A father helps lead, to guide, to shape, to, to instruct, to love, to protect if you have that, I've never, I've talked to a lot of people who have that father-shaped hole in their heart, that longing for a dad. They've never told me, man, that father-shaped hole exists because my dad never bought me a car. You know what they'll say to me? I would trade a thousand cars for a real connection with my dad. Because that hole is relational in nature. And only a relationship with a father will fix, that will fill that hole. So I just want to say throughout this message this morning, as I continue, if I say the word father, I'm not just meaning biological father, because you could be a father figure. You could be a spiritual father. You could be a, that mentor in someone's life. 
And when I talk about, uh, we're going to talk about sons and daughters, when I use the term son, daughter, girl, boy, I'm not just necessarily meaning those that were born to you, but it's those that you have the opportunity to be that person in their life. Because this is how Paul puts it writing to the church in Corinth. He said, though you may have many instructors, you do not have many fathers. You can have thousands of teachers in Christ, but you don't have many fathers. You don't need many fathers. You really only need one father. But you might need, you know, if you have one or two men in your life who love you, who support you, who encourage you, who affirm you, who value you, who cherish you, who say you're important, you have what you need. So it's not that you need a lot of fathers. You need one or two good men, biological or otherwise, who fill that role. And that's what we're called to do. So Paul says, and after that, he says, I am your father in Christ. I led you to faith. So my heart is for you. So what I want to do here for the rest of our time together is kind of unpack the role of a father when it comes to their sons and their daughters, to girls and to boys. So we're going to start with boys, not because they're more important, but you've got to start with one. So we're starting with boys. And, um, and so here's the thing. When it comes to, to boys growing up, right, we heard the words of Tupac Shakur. He said, a man can calm a boy down like a woman can't. A man provides confidence and structure. And, and, and man tells a boy what it means to be a man. See, what, a, what boys grow up wanting to understand and needing to understand is what it means to be a man. So uh, um, there was another study done. I'm not going to cite it, but uh, the, the author summarized it with this. He said, to an eight-year-old boy, their father is God. Now, I don't mean that in a sacrilegious way. You could say a God if that makes you feel better. It's, they're like a God-like figure in their lives. And so boys, they look up to their dad. They, they say, that's what it means to be a man. That's a father's role. That's a father's responsibility. So the heart cry of every boy, the question every boy asks growing up is this. Do I have what it takes to be a man? Do I measure up? Can I measure up to my father? And only a father, only a man, only another man can answer that question satisfactorily. It's not because women aren't important. It's not because mothers aren't important. They're vitally important. But it means something coming from a man to a boy, a father to a boy. It's different, right? We even say this, right? When you're talking to a guy, they do something great. And what do we say? You the man. I mean, I've never heard my wife say that to my son. You the man. Well, we say that to each other, you know. Men, we communicate different, right? We, we compliment, we affirm actions and activities. Man, I'm so proud of the way you handled that situation. Man, the way you stood up to that, that person, that was fantastic. Man, what, a, what an amazing way that you handled that, that uh, moment, whether it's on the sports field, whether it's in life, whether it's in a relationship. I'm so proud of you. We communicate different than women communicate. I mean, I've seen two women communicate, and they'll say something like this. Oh, I just love what you did with your hair. I've never seen two guys. I just love what you did with your hair. You say, dude, what are you thinking? That's awful. My wife's like, how can you guys just, you know, tear up on each other? Well, 
because we know our hair's fading, you know. The, the flowers fade and the grass withers. But the word of the Lord stands forever. No, I mean, you know, we just, we communicate different and, and, it, and it stirs up something in the heart of a young man. See, fathers can affirm that a boy is becoming a man in ways that mothers cannot. And I'm not downplaying mothers. I Please hear me. Mothers play a huge role in the lives of their boys. They, they instill things that fathers can't. But it's Father's Day, so we're talking about dads. And there's just something about a boy hearing from their dad, I'm proud of you, that it's different in their ears than when they hear it from mom. It matters when they hear it from mom. I'm not saying mom shouldn't say I'm proud of you. Say it. Say it to your boys. But I'm telling you, men, when, when you, when guys, when boys hear that from men, man, something proud of you. I, I'm so impressed by the way you handle that situation. And you knew when to take that stand. See, what men do for boys is we help them know what it means to be a man, how to treat women, how to treat others, when you need to stand and fight, when you need to hold your ground, when you need to make a moral stand, when you need to back down. We teach them these things because they don't know how to do it. And, they, and then they see men doing it and they say, I want to be able to do that, but I don't know how to do that. I remember this was years ago. My son was probably, uh, my, my uh, oldest son Isaac was probably, 12 or 13, and he's at a park, and some kids started messing with some of his friends, and he just was like, that's it. I stood up to him, stood up to the bullies. He didn't know if he was going to get his lunch handed to him, but he's like, and he came back, and I said, man, I'm so proud of you. He didn't end up getting in a fight, but I mean, he was just, you could just tell, he's like, I did what I had to do, and that, that means something. So, that, why, why is that important? Because until a boy is affirmed as a man, he will keep trying to prove he is one. Or he will become passive, thinking he will never be one. See, we, we, see, we see this issue in our culture today. It's two extremes. You have men that are in their 20s, 30s, 40s, that are very aggressive. They're trying to sleep with every woman that they find. They're trying to prove their manhood because they've never heard from a father, you are a man. And so they're gonna prove it and they're, they're aggressive and they're angry and they're, they're just, ah, it's just this aggressive nature or they become passive and no man has ever said to them, you are a man. And so where do they feel safe? Living in their mom's basement. And we make fun of that, right? That becomes a punchline, you're living in your mom's basement. But you have to ask the deeper question. Where are the fathers to say to that boy, listen, you're a man. It's time to get out of the basement. Where are the fathers? Where are they? That's what they need. They need to be affirmed that they're a man so that they know I don't have to prove it to everyone. And I can step up. I can look in the mirror and say, there is something in me that is a man. But it's not just affirming them. It's also pointing them, shaping them, leading them, guiding them to become the man of God that they're called to be, to give them a spiritual mooring, to give them an understanding that God has called you to be more than what you see in the world around you. It's not just about finding success. It's not just about uh, making money. It's not just about having fame. It's not just about being an influencer. It's not about having followers. It's not about the, the being in great shape. It's about saying, when all this is said and done, I want to know that I lived a life that God is going to say, well done, my good and faithful servant. 
So that is the responsibility that dads, that fathers have to sons. But what about to daughters? Because girls need a father too. So the heart cry of most women, and I won't say every woman because I'm not a woman, but the heart cry of most women when it comes to men is, am I valuable? Am I worth pursuing? Am I lovely? Will you pursue me? Will you sacrifice for me? Will you lay down your life for me? Will you risk everything for me? What are, are you even willing to die for me? Are you willing to surrender this thing that's so important to you? But I need to know that I'm more important to you than your career, than your accolades, than the praise of other people. Do I matter to you? And there's nothing that will destroy a woman's heart more than hearing from someone. Nope, not to me, by words or by actions. Nope, I'm gonna keep doing this even though I know it devastates you because you're not worth me stopping doing this. Nope, I'm not gonna lay aside my own stuff for you. It will crush her heart. It's why songs like right, Brian Adams, everything I do, I do for you. Right? I, I'd fight for you. I'd walk the wire for you. I'd die for you. Everything I do, I, that lights up a woman's heart. You don't write a love song like that to a guy. Everything I do, I do for you. Like, uh, just, there's other things I want you to do. I don't want you to die. There's other things I want. That's, you know, that doesn't work for guys. But it, it does something in the heart of a woman. So what does that mean for our daughters? What does that mean for girls? It means this, that they want to know, am I special? Am I cherished? Am I valued? And no more so than our day and age is this needed. I mean, all you need to do is have two eyes and look around at the, the, the way that um, girls are pressured to look a certain way act a certain way, behave a certain way. The sexualization of young girls is rampant on TV, on the internet, right? I mean, everything's just false sense. You look at photos, everything's got a filter on it. Everything's airbrushed, everything's Photoshopped, nothing's real. And they're told you have to live up to this in your body image, you have to live up to this in, uh, in your uh, lifestyle. And if you don't, they look in the mirror and say, there's something wrong with me. I don't measure up. And so they end up with major struggles in life, depression, anxiety. They end up with eating disorders, uh, a low self-esteem because they're trying to live. To, they end up compromising their, their own virtue because they're told the sexualization is the key to finding that you're loved and special and, and valued. So listen, if I've got to give myself to them, at least I'll feel good about myself, but they don't feel good about themselves. And so what happens? Teenage girls are pressured more and more and more. The statistics are through the roof, are pressured more and more and more into having sexual encounters at younger and younger ages because they think it will, it will fill that need to feel special, cherished, and valued. And when it doesn't, it causes them to spiral into depression. 24%, the most recent studies say 24% of teenage girls contemplate suicide and 13% attempt it which is double the, uh, the rate of suicide attempts than uh, of boys. Nearly double. Boys are about 7%. Girls are over 13%. It's incredible. So uh, Kathleen Parker is a columnist, and she wrote about the influence of social media on girls and their self-esteem. 
And so she wrote this whole article, cited a bunch of research, and at the end she asked a prescient question, and it was this, where are their fathers? Where are their fathers? Because fathers play a special role in the lives of their daughters. It's a huge role. What fathers are supposed to do is make their girls feel safe and protected, special, cherished, valuable. A father's meant to play this role in his daughter's life to say, this is how you deserve to be treated. He's meant to give her a place of safety and protection. He's meant to say, you're able to stand and, and take a stand for values and virtue, and you're going to be safe and protected here. He's supposed to fill her heart with feelings of affirmation and love, to know that she is great just the way she is. In other words, fathers must tell their girls they are perfect just the way they are. They have to reinforce that. Okay, you have a different type of personality. There's nothing wrong with that. Okay, you don't fit into this model. That's fine. There's nothing wrong with you. I love you. You are perfect. You are great. Tell them that. Tell them that constantly. Tell them from a young age and keep reminding them of that. And listen to me, guys. It's not just in words. It's in actions. So don't you dare tell me. I tell my daughter she's perfect all the time. And then that girl walks down the street and you say, man, look at that rack. And then the girl looks in the mirror and says, well, there's something wrong with me. Some of you are like, I would never do that. Stop lying to yourself. Because a lot of you do. So you have to say, am I going to be consistent in the things I say, the things I do, the things I look at, how I speak and talk about women? Because how you speak and talk about women will, will uh, affirm or tear down that image of what a woman's supposed to be to your little girl. So how you speak to their mother how you speak about their mother, how you speak to other women, how you treat other women. Hugely important. It's not just what you say to her, which is hugely important, but it's the totality of your life. So that this girl that God has trusted you with feels cherished, feels valued, feels special. See, if a girl does not feel cherished, she will go searching for it or she will spend her life believing she's not worthy to be cherished. So go to man after man looking for someone to make her feel valued and cherished. Or she'll get to the point where say, there's nothing in me of value. So I'll use and treat my body as a commodity. Fathers play a huge role in the lives of their daughters. It's something that we can overlook because listen to me. It's easy to think my job is just to provide for them. It's just to protect them. But you have to form in them the truth of who they are. So we talked about the suicide statistics. What can you do about that? Teenage girls will tell you, you know what I need from adults? I need them to listen more, not just dismiss what I'm saying and simply say, oh, it's just teenage drama. I want them to listen. I want them to take my mental health serious. I want them to take the things that I'm going through serious. That's part of it. You know what the other part is? As fathers, we're meant to lead and guide them to the anchor of who God is in their life. 
that they would know they have the power of the Holy Spirit coursing through their spiritual veins so that they can experience the peace that passes understanding in the torment of life when the waves come, when everything is crashing around them. They can know that they are loved, they are safe, they are secure, that God loves them and that they find their value and their identity and their their self-worth, their sense of self-worth in who God says they are, not in what culture says. So you can provide everything for them, a place of safety and refuge but the world can provide all that. You also need to provide the one thing the world can't provide, and that is the anchor to God, the Father. That is the role that fathers play. That is the role of a father. As sin-stained and frail as we are, that is the blessing of a father to pour into our daughters, to pour into our sons, to help shape them, to lead them, to guide them to become the men and women God has created them to be. So I've asked Pastor Dale to come up because he grew up in a situation where he had a father hole in his heart. So I want you to hear his words for himself. Mom provided for us till I was seven years old and then she remarried. Dad loved me. He cared for me. I grew up and got married, had a son, and then I had a daughter. And suddenly the light came on. I'm not a good husband. I'm definitely not being a good father. What do I do? So I turned to God. God helped me come into my life. And little by little, he brought men into my life to teach me how to be a good husband, how to raise my children. Fifty years later, I have two wonderful children. Their spouses are wonderful. And I have three fantastic grandchildren. So to the one who's listening to all this and saying, "Uh, it's not for me, he won't do that. He will. He's reaching out to you today to start the journey. Don't hesitate. Thank you. This is real. So many of us have this father-shaped hole in our lives. And the role of dads, fathers, biological father figures, mentors, coaches is meant to fill that. I love the way Paul writes about the role of a father to the church in Thessalonica. He says, with each of you, we were like a father with his children, holding your hand, whispering encouragement, showing you step by step how to live well before God. That's the role of a father, to raise his daughters, to raise his sons, to impart into them that people would say, she's a good woman, he's a good man. There is something about them, the way they live and order their lives. You say, that's what I want. That's what I desire. So over the next few weeks, we're going to kind of explore some things, talk about some things, take a journey and look at some things that aren't often looked at and talked about. We're going to talk about 
How in the world do we fill that God, that, that man, father-shaped hole in our hearts? Whether it's a hole that you have or as a single mom, it's a hole that you're trying to fill. How do we fill that as a local expression of the church, the body of Christ? We're going to look at how do we embrace God fully as our heavenly father. And next week, we're going to talk about how do we find a father in a messed up world? Because if you follow the wrong father, you're going to end up at a place where you don't want to go. So you need to find a good father. You don't want to find that gang you're running with. You don't want to find somebody who's going to lead you down a path that's not what you want. You want the father that God has created you to have. And if it's not your biological father, he's got someone for you. But for now, I want to pray. Heavenly Father, we come to you right now. God, I pray for all of us, for myself, for everyone here, because we all want a father. We all need a father. And so I'm asking God, would your Holy Spirit move right now? This message may have stirred up some feelings and emotions and triggered some things in us. God, would your peace that passes understanding, would the Holy Spirit, who is the great comforter, bring peace to our hearts? God, if we have that hole in our hearts because we don't have a father, we've never known our father, or our father treated us so badly, we wish we never had known him. But regardless of what they did, they said they were around or they were absent. They died or they just abandoned us. God, if we've got that father-shaped hole in our hearts, would you begin to heal that here now today by your grace? And for those of us who are feeling in this message a call, a nudging, like, you know what? I think God is calling me to step in to fill that hole in some people's lives, some boys' lives, some girls' lives, some men's lives, some women's lives. That you would take that challenge serious, that you would have the boldness, the be brave enough, be tenacious enough to say, I can step up into that because it's for this that I was created. God, begin to stir those things in our hearts and our lives here this morning. Now, if you would stand with me, we're going to worship God with a few last songs. And we're going to have a time of prayer in just a minute. Let's just sing this song to the Lord together.